Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore. Your main supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie. Country Life with MJ Cleary on Midlands 103. Now, good evening and welcome to Country Life here on Midlands 103. MJ Cleary with you until 8pm, bringing you the latest from Leash, Offley and Westmead from the worlds of food, farming and agri-business. Uh, now, quick week since I was speaking to you last and I'm uh, delighted to be back here with you again for the next hour. Uh, the weather is uh, definitely uh, on the uh, colder side than I was speaking to you last week. It is uh, very wintry the last couple of days, really cold on Monday actually. And uh, same again over the next few days, it seems, with wind and rain forecast over the weekend. So it spells the end really of any cattle left out on land at this stage. Uh, I'd say everything will be in a shed by the weekend. Uh, On to this evening's programme and I will be covering the following. So we had looked at the new veterinary regulations here on the programme. We looked at them a number of times over the past uh, number of months where dosing would be prescription only and this was going to occur by the 28th of January so a little over eight weeks time however as of the last few hours these rules have been kicked back by almost six months to next June Uh, the reason being that the new prescription system has not been road tested properly yet so the plan is that all medicines bought under a herd number will be available for the department to view but that system isn't up and running yet Uh, Ray Doyle from ICOS will speak to me a little later about negotiating this delay with the department today and the changes that are coming down the line Now, everybody is up in arms about the closing of the power stations, most notably for us here in County Offaly with Shannon Bridge. With the possibility of power shortages this winter a very real threat, the ICMSA feel a very good middle ground could be to reopen these stations and instead of burning peat, to change to anaerobic digestion plants where the likes of silage, whole crop and most importantly slurry could be used to produce electricity. Tullamore dairy farmer Pat O'Brien will chat to me a little bit later on these proposals. Mocker and Affirma are holding their annual conference in Port Leash this Friday. It's entitled Climate, the Conundrum, Young Farmers, They Are Up for the Challenge. Leashman and Makra President John Keane will join me to speak on this in a little bit. Now, is your farmyard winter ready? Could spending just a few hours this weekend help you to have a safer and more efficient yard for the next few months? As simple a thing as buying a new bulb for a yard light could save an accident on these dark evenings. With some simple tips on this, a little bit later, will be Declan Marin from the Irish Farmers Journal. He has about five points uh, on an article he wrote on the journal. I thought it was very interesting. Just little things you can do, spend a couple of hours doing it, make your life a lot easier going forward, safer and more efficient. Uh, as always, please text the show with your comments, thoughts or questions to 083 103. I'll be happy to put anything to our guests this evening. Uh, to start, we are going to have a word on the livestock trade and joining us is Gordon Cobb from GVM in Tullamore. Gordon, many thanks for taking my call this evening. Hi MJ, good to be here. Uh, no problem Gordon. And uh, how would you describe the trade at the moment? Say we talk about the uh, the day trade that you have there in the Mart on uh, uh, Thursdays. What, what would you say in relation to those kind of heavier cattle forward stores? How's that going? Yeah, it's been very good actually, all the way through the back end of the year, even through the very large sales we've seen there in October and early November. Sales are slightly tapering off, but still quite big. We still have over maybe... 500 cattle there in the general sale uh, most Thursdays. Um, we're seeing a little bit of a strengthening in price this week, particularly for flesh stock factories, uh, feedlots very active there for heavier cattle this week. Uh, seen a few top prices in the heifer ring there even. 
675 kilo heifer 1890 735 kilos 1760 yeah very strong heavy continental heifers there 600 kilos up trading maybe around 240 280 a kilo which is quite exceptional for heavy heifers uh cool cows topping out 1930 there this week for an 825 kilo charlotte cow she was a generally good one. trading cool. yeah she was a fine cow so she was mm. uh generally cool cows trading in around maybe the two euros a kilo for the continental cows but they are topping out with 220 230 and the bullocks there again very strong trade all all i must say the back end of this year the bullock ring has been exceptionally strong uh 1870 for a 760 kilo bullock, 1800, 700 kilos, 1700 there for 595 kilos. Angus and Whitehead generally trading in your kind of dairy bread stock, trading in around maybe 2 euros, 210 a kilo. A little bit more if they're well fleshed, square ones, a little bit less if they're plainer. But uh, all in all, it's holding firm all the way through the back end. A uh, really good trade there for cull cows, uh, Gordon. Listener, 222.30 like for those well fleshed continentals. Yeah. That, that is serious money. Yeah, we have a number of buyers for those. Um, it's, it's, it's incredible. So it is, we've mm. sold a few from home ourselves there now, and I've been astonished as to what we got for the cool cows, yeah. And again, the cool cows, cool yos even. Cool yos are an astonishing trade at the minute. They topped out at 219 today. Wow. Absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, they strengthened quite a bit. Lambs did fall back though, unfortunately, in the heavier categories today. Yeah, so your your sheep uh, sale today, and you're you're talking about the colios there, what they're making. Uh, likes of lambs, then look this this time of the year, I suppose we're we're still calling them lambs. But look, it's it's the back end of the year. They're the they're the they're the bin ends of the lambs, if you will. Yeah. Um, presumably, um, nice bit heavier than than what you would see earlier on in the in the season. Um, generally kind of uh, in around roughly the same way. So there would be more of the heavier ones. You'd see a lot more tipping over the 50 kilos now. Mm. But in general, give you a rundown of today, kind of lambs 30 to 40 kilos. Your store category lamb remained the same as last week. 30, 40 kilos, probably somewhere in the region of maybe 115 to even up to 140 for heavier, good quality 40 kilo stores. Heavier factory lambs fell back about 7 to 9 euros ahead. Factories have pulled the price on those. Uh, trading in or around the boat, 154 to 155 for your 49 kilos. Your butcher type lamb, your good 53, 55, 57 kilo lambs. Unfortunately, back about 9 or 10 euros ahead today again, but still trading at 161 to 163 apiece, which is exceptional money compared to other years. We're coming down off a peak last week of maybe 173 for lambs last week coming down to 163 or that there this week but still very very strong yeah no it is strong yeah this time of the year and your yeah. whaling sale on a Monday night you're, you're famed for your whaling sale in Tullamore uh, Gordon and uh, I suppose look what are we talking now 24th of November you're probably coming to the to the end of the, the, the spring whalings is that fair to say or are sales still big on a Monday still big uh, we haven't seen any tapering off almost even through the back end of the year well I suppose in the, some of the larger sales where we're probably seeing up on 700 cattle there on the Wainland sales going through the two rings we're coming down now to probably just below the 500 cattle uh, 450 wow. there last Monday night going Massive. through the rings yeah yeah, very big sales still but the trade is bringing them out um, small cattle meeting extraordinary trade I was auctioneering there Monday night now on the heifer ring and you're 2 to 250 kilo Continental heifer making three euros a kilo, maybe more. I seen, I seen one heifer two forty kilos go out with seven eighty. Mm. You know, so uh, serious money going on there for some of those. Your lighter stock, um, as regards dairy bread, again in around about the two euros a kilo. Your four hundred kilo whitehead heifer, Angus heifer, 
making probably in around 800. Angus are edging them a bit. Uh, 400 kilo Angus could make the right sort of one in spec, moves, age correct, probably making maybe about 210, 220 there in the ring at the minute. Um, Continental, Charlet, Weenland, Bulls, Heifers, uh, around the 300 kilo mark, probably looking at 850 to 900. A lot of them making up on the 260 to 3 euros a kilo mark. Yeah, many of many those Weenlands then sit at 300, 320, like it would be in the last few weeks. Were they hitting that 1,000 euro mark? I know it's something guys always have in their head, yeah, yeah. trying to get a Weenland into 1,000. They were, yeah. Yeah, they were. <laughs> there was some of them making it anyways. Um, your 300 kilos is probably the 850 to 900. A few of them going over it. But uh, yeah, there has been some some quite strong prices there over the last few weeks. Farmer, I must say we are getting some very good, high-quality stock through the ring into the Mart and they are meeting the, the best demand. A lot of customers at the ring for a good Charolais limousine, Belgian Blue Weenland. We've seen some of them even break four euros a kilo there a few weeks ago for mm. some real choice Belgian Blue Heifers. And uh, finally, a great roundup there, Gordon, and thanks. And just before I let you go, look, uh, I know GVM obviously involved in land sales, land letting as well. Uh, probably, look, yep. this time of the year, uh, it's quite in that regard. But say, look, we're coming to the to the back end of 2021 now. 2021 in general in relation to land sales and land leasing, a good year for you? Yeah, a great year. Uh, can't say anything wrong about it. Land sales, not as much land on the market enoughly this year. What did come on the market met probably 10 or 15 percent higher uh, prices than we expected um land leasing that took off this year we've seen a number of places making over 300 euros an acre this year mm. we never seen that before very very strong what does the future hold for next year unsure on the land leasing end of things i think fertilizer price if it remains where it is is going to have an effect on the land leasing very hard to give let's say, 300 euros an acre and then put another 200 euros an acre of fertiliser onto it. Um, it all depends on... Fertiliser price might dictate the leasing game a little bit, although still there's a lot of farmers out there going to be looking for land to satisfy nitrates and that and ever-expanding dairy farms. Uh, finally, Gordon, before I let you go, we talked about fertiliser price. Uh, cost of meal and concentrates, uh, obviously, look, a lot of people buying uh, finishing cattle in your mart. Uh, is, is it... Uh, on people's minds must be uh, a little must be chatted about around the ring all the talk is about input rises mm. uh, meal fertiliser diesel it's the main thing on guys lips their fear fear for next year um, they don't know what it's going to bring because there's a there's a lot of money being spent on cattle at the minute and going to be spent on getting them to the finished product next year and farmers are afraid that those inputs are, are going to erode their profits you know, yeah, a lot of so risk. There is a bit of fear there. Yeah, a lot of lot of risk on on the part of the finishers. Uh, really, like forward right. contracts with the factories and stuff. They're 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 vitally necessary at this stage to take some of that risk they're, away. They're very important at the minute. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Gordon, I'm gonna let you go. Many thanks for that roundup, and uh, we'll chat to you thanks. again. Okay. Thanks, MJ. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye now. Uh, Gordon Cobb there great roundup. I must say on, uh, on all the different uh, types of stock there from younger cattle right up through some w- w- really really amazing prices there I have to say now 760 uh, 7, 735 1760 and I look there exceptional cattle not too many of them around uh, but then back down cull cows 222 30 1930 euros for a cull cow uh, as I said she must have been a good one but uh, it really is it's super super money for cull cows uh, and then back the whole way uh, back along uh, trade in general is decent I sold a few cattle myself in Burr uh, last Monday uh, they were lighter now uh, but they were uh, and I'm trying to get it up here and see what they were they were Angus uh, had four 
Whitehead's uh, 385 kilos and they were 790 so north of that 2 euros a kilo and then there was uh, two Angus's 397 and they were 820 so uh, I was happy to be honest this time of the year uh, north of 2 euros a kilo and cattle weighing well they had no meal either they were straight off grass it was a very good growing year and uh, it was a strong trade all year long I know the input prices now are going to have a a big say going forward but uh, from a 2021 perspective uh, we can't complain you don't say that too often in uh, in beef farming uh, now coming up after the break we're going to be talking to John Keane from Mockerna Firmna and we're also going to be talking to Declan Marin from the Farmer's Journal Declan's going to be talking about tips to make our farmyard more efficient and John's going to be talking about the Mockra National Conference so stay tuned for that and you're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103 now I'm speaking to John Keane Leishman and President of Mockra Nafirmna John many thanks for taking my call this evening Good evening MJ how are you and good evening to all your listeners uh, We're going good uh, John and you have a big event coming up on Friday and uh, no doubt look we, we can't avoid it it's called uh, Climate the Conundrum Young Farmers Up for the Challenge so you're going to Grab it with both hands, uh, and you're gonna you're gonna take take on the fight, John. According to the to the conference, um, can you give us a brief rundown? What's uh, what's going on exactly? Uh, how's it how's it structured? Yeah, thanks, MJ. So you're dead right. In in Friday at at ten o'clock in Killinard, our our uh, annual egg conference is kicking off. This year, it's a it's a hybrid approach, so it's it's a blended model. There are a limited number of of um of tickets available for the event we have it limited to around 30 or 40 people given the the covid situation that we find ourselves in uh, and there is an online option for people to tune in as well so those links are available within our own website at, at mockra.ie i suppose the, the title of the conference is it's very apt at the moment given the the challenges that the, the sector is facing and i suppose the opportunities that are there for us to to i suppose to gain on Friday, we will have a, an address initially from the Minister for Agriculture himself, Minister McConnellogue. Um, we'll also have a, a number of discussion panels, and, and those panels will be talking and speaking about, I suppose, some of the, the challenges that we face and, and trying to chart a, a map and a roadmap ahead for for the sector, and particularly ensuring that there's opportunities for, for young people and for young farmers to enter into the sector. Um, so we have a number of speakers, including Frank O'Mara, that recently... Um, elected director of Chagas, we've uh, Diane Lindsay, who's the president of the European Young Farmers Organisation, namely CJA, uh, with contributions from within our own organisation as well, from Shane Fitzgerald, the, the chairperson of our National Ag Affairs Committee, uh, journalist and economist Colin McCarthy is also contributing to it, um, and Pat Murphy from from Kerrygold is also contributing on a panel. So a wide a wide range of discussion and and the a finance element too with a contributor Sean Lowry from Bank of Ireland um, as well as a contributor from IFAC as well so it covers both the environmental challenge but also the reality of the economic impact of, of addressing those challenges and, and what the, the road ahead needs to look like. Uh, your members um, John obviously young farmers a uh, majority of spending has been done by young farmers over the last few years I'm not saying it's all young farmers there has been uh, spending done by uh, more seasoned people as well but a lot of young farmers spent a lot of money uh, I, what's the word in the street from your members are they uh, worried uh, about what's coming down the track uh, the, the possibility of having to lessen herds even when bank loans have to be paid is there is there much anxiety out there so I suppose to, to your your first point, MJ, absolutely, young farmers have have invested heavily in the, in their businesses, whether that be to build up businesses, whether that to be to meet the already environmental challenge. If you look at the the TAMS drawdown from the young farmers' perspective over the past five years, 
it's in excess of 200 million euros um, and I, I expect and ascertain that that will continue from our from the I suppose the interest from within our own membership there are definitely challenges there and and, and there are definitely in terms of the, the climate agenda there are challenges for us to meet however from a young farmers perspective we do see that there is an opportunity for us to drive the sector forward to continue to be world leaders within our sector in terms of food production and I suppose the big ask from a young farmers perspective in particular, is that the supports that are there are necessary from a government perspective, whether that be the investment in finance opportunities for young farmers to access, whether that be the availability of land, but also, I suppose, a more closer look in terms of science when it comes to emission calculations, and the science can play a role in determining on-farm practices. And there has been a, map, a roadmap charted in terms of Chagas, whether we look at that at the MAC curve, um, which has, has shown that there is an ability for 2 million tonnes to be uh, to be reduced from the agri-sector, whether that be the introduction of, of higher improvement technologies, the use of feed additives and genetics, and there are a number of other technologies and science-based research that are coming on stream in the next number of years which provide opportunities for us. So definitely the, the, the reduction that has been targeted is a challenge, but I think from an agri-sector it is something which young farmers are definitely willing to face up for and also to ensure that from an Irish perspective as world leaders from a sustainability and environmental point of view, that we maintain those credentials that we have. And it's really important that we as farmers are proud of what we produce, but it's also really important that our politicians and our representatives realise the excellent job in which young farmers and farmers in Ireland do and the quality of produce that we produce and wear it as a badge of honour when they're representing farmers within the EU and also across the world. Yeah, definitely a bit of a lack of communication there at the moment, I'd say, John. But uh, on that, that's a, that's a story for another time. Uh, I'm going to leave it there. Uh, your conference is on Friday morning and it can be accessed on mokra.ie, 10am. And uh, we speak to you again, John. Many thanks for joining me. Thanks very much, MJ. Much appreciated. Uh, John Keane there from uh, Mockran. I'm going to move on now. Declan Marin from the Irish Farmers Journal joins me on the line. Uh, Declan, how are you this evening? Evening, MJ. How are you keeping? We're going good, uh, Declan. Uh, interesting article you wrote last week now on the journal, and it's, uh, uh, for once, it's not about uh, climate, it's not about uh, cost of fertilizer, uh, it's not about uh, high high diesel costs, which we're all talking about, but we need a break from it as well, and we have to get back to the realities of everyday farming. Uh, stock is coming in at the moment. Uh, probably most stock will be putting sheds this weekend. It's after turning very wintry in the last couple of days. And uh, I know myself, I, I'm at it the last couple of days, sheds are there, there's everything in from over the summer you're trying to get it ready and get it uh, available uh, uh, for stock and uh, a few little pointers I suppose to to help you around the yard from a safety um, perspective and also an efficiency perspective That's it MJ like a lot of the work that's carried out on farms is going to happen in dark mornings or dark evenings Mm. as it is here in Sligo this evening it's wind howling and rain hitting off the roof here as I'm talking to you so um, you know just having the yard in such a way that it's going to be set up um, to make it as safe and as simple that you're not spending hours doing jobs that can be done a lot more efficiently. So we kind of have broken down into five simple points. The first one is looking at yard lights. So just um, that if you can see what you're doing, it's going to be an awful lot easier. Have your lights working. You know, these LED-type um, outdoor lights now, they're not very expensive and they can, you know, give great light. Mm. Um, so it's well worth investing in having all bulbs checked on that and make sure they're working lights and sheds then it might be as simple as taking down the covers and cleaning them off but it would make a huge difference to the amount of light in the shed when you're working there in the evenings 
Um, so, and following on from that, then talking about tractor safety, and again, it's just simple things like making sure your handbrake is working, make sure the brakes are working on it. You know, you're jumping in and out, opening the bale or whatever it is, and we we don't put on the handbrake or we take the chance we don't think it's going to roll. But 50% of all fatalities in Ireland, unfortunately, involve um, tractors and machinery. So just having, you know, lights working as well in tractors and another thing then is having your glass all clean, your mirrors clean. So if there's other people in the yard, you're going to see them moving about. That's a, that's an um, important one, uh, Declan, and it's something that everyone can do. But the amount of tractors you see uh, that are literally covered in muck, uh, like side windows, little windows down at the front where you see your front wheel, those ones especially get dirty. And it is just a matter of spending that maybe 30 minutes to do that. It is, yeah, exactly. And sometimes power washing alone isn't enough. You know, you need to get the cloth out and give it a rub, and it might be inside might be dirtier than outside in some cases. You know, just with the dust that builds up over the the summer months coming into the cab. So one clean is going to make a big difference and um, make all the difference to to visibility. And following on then for visibility, um, we're recommending the use of high vis jackets in yards. So again, a lot of family farms give multiple generations maybe working around the farmyard older people and then you might have younger children as well so you know if everyone has a high-vis jacket on them it's going to be much easier for anyone who's operating machinery or that to to see them the farming clothes are often dark in color blacks and navies and dark greens so you kind of blend in with your with your surroundings so having a high-vis jacket on is going to help um anyone in, in machinery seeing uh, around the yard when I was over in Scotland, I visited a farmer and anyone who entered the farmyard had to put on a high-vis jacket um, and that was the rule. He didn't come onto the farm without one and talking to him about it, he said that as much as it was about seeing uh, people being more visible, it was also more of, it was like a reminder that safety starts here on the farm for people. So once they come on, the high-vis jacket was a reminder to them that, you know, to be more safe and, and try and do things a bit more Cleverly yeah, it's, around a, the it's, a good, it's a very good piece of advice as well, especially on yards where you have, as you say, intergenerational help. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So um, another simple tip for, for people. Um, the next one is then just having a tidy yard, having everything in its right place. Um, again, so a lot of accidents on farms are simple trips and falls that probably never make it into the, the statistics of, of farm accidents, MJ, but like they do happen out there and everyone is... It has uh, had some issue in the po- in the past, so just by having a, a tidier yard that everything has, has its own place is going to make it much easier to to navigate and be safer as well. These are little things, uh, Declan. I'm looking at the tidy the yard, and I'm, I'm thinking about my own uh, yard, and uh, there's a couple of six inch blocks I've been meaning to move now for a few days. They're down near a tap, and uh, you're going to just make me do this later on, or I might do it tomorrow when it's bright. Uh, I moved them off somewhere else because I'm just they're waiting for someone to not to trip over them, and it's it is really just little simple things that you're saying to spend that couple of hours and just to do it uh, to to stop these accidents occurring exactly yeah if you save you a trip to the doctor or a trip down to any needlessly for you know a trip or a fall you'll be well worth the time doing it so i think it should everyone maybe this weekend should spend an hour an hour and a half getting it getting us in the yard in in good order um, finally then the other one was on livestock safety and just livestock handling so again once cattle are coming in there's probably going to be another handling between now and, and Christmas between dosing or delicing or weighing or whatever it is so just having gates in, in yards and, and handling units uh, hanging and swinging rice um, it doesn't mean a big investment in expensive equipment but just having it a bit more bit well uh, better set up um, and you know have it in such a way that you can move stock um, fairly efficiently from one, say from the 
from the slatted house into the handling unit and vice versa and that it's not going to be a big ordeal that you need to be bringing in machinery and trailers and jeeps and everything to try and, and, and hoard them in so it's just simple things like that again Yeah sometimes getting the uh, the cattle into the slatted house can be one of the biggest jobs of the year uh, there's tractors parked there's gates up there's uh, there's ropes uh, along fences or you name it and uh, guys kind of want to get them in they get them in but for the sake of maybe a couple of gates or whatever it is maybe hanging them off a girder and just having it and actually leaving it there that uh, that it's there if you do need to drive them in and out it's as you say these investments they're not you know what I mean they're not going to cost the world no no given everything the price of everything else at the moment these aren't going to be huge investments on the farm and finally uh, Declan great round up there I have to say and some very good advice practical advice which is what we want uh, tomorrow in the uh, in the paper in the journal what are you writing about um, this week's beef page looks at from the Thrive Demonstration Farm down in Cashland County, Hipperary. So we're just reflecting on, on the grazing season. We Out of the 140 cattle we're finishing this year, we managed to, to draft 90 off grass. The other 50 were housed about 10 days ago. Actually, since that, we've had 41 bullocks drafted and gone off to slaughter this week. So we're well through the, the 2020 crop of cattle. Um, and we still, we've housed 35 of this year's calves. And we still have the remaining about 110 at grass, and they'll hopefully stay out till the middle of next week. Um, just a lot of grass on the farm, and then on a dairy capped beef system, we don't have a huge demand for grass going out in spring because our heaviest cattle are 350, 360 kilos. So we don't have that huge demand that you would have, say, with a, with a suckler enterprise or with a dairy enterprise. Um, so we don't need to carry that much grass into spring. Um, so that's why we're trying to clean off as much do, as we can. Do, those calves that are out on grass now at the moment, have they been getting meal all summer? Did you break them on, on concentrate? What, what's, what was the feed pattern? Yeah, no, this year we've kept them going all the way through. So um, they're on a kilo uh, day all the way through. Last year we stopped the heaviest calves and we kept going to the lighter calves. Um, when we did it up, it probably made sense to keep going in with that one kilo a day. I think, you know, from a herding point of view, it's easier to see anything sick. Um, and it just keeps them ticking over as well. Um, so they've gone up to 1.5 kilo in the, kilos a day in the last maybe six weeks or so. Um, so once we get them in, silage quality is about 72 DMD this year. Um, so again, we'll be feeding about the kilo and a half of, uh, it's a 16% protein ration for the winter time. And uh, they would probably pull that off, and then it'll be six weeks before they go back out to grass. Yeah, very good. It'll be a good farm when they're going out. Uh, Declan, many thanks for that. You have a webinar tomorrow evening on winter nutrition. It's at 8 pm. Uh, if people want to access it, how do they do it? Yeah, so it's on part of our winter cattle series. So tomorrow night is looking at winter nutrition. We're looking at silage testing and usage and ration formulation, uh, growth targets for winelands and store cattle over, over winter. And we'll also look at feed budgets. You know, what's it going to cost to feed an animal out of the shed next spring versus store them for the for the winter and put them back to grass and finish them off grass next year. So we'll have all that to cover. That's tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. You can see that on farmersjournal.ie or you can see it on any of our social media channels as well. Lovely stuff. Many thanks, Declan. We'll speak to you again in the programme. Thanks, MJ. Uh, Declan Marin there from the Farmer's Journal and I'm going to shoot to a a break really quickly now and coming up after it we're going to be talking about the new uh, rules coming into play for buying Antelmintix they were meant to be changing at the end of January but that has been kicked on by six months today uh, as a result of negotiations between ICOS and the Department of Agriculture so we're going to hear all about that in just a moment Now you're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103 and we're moving on to speak about the vet prescription rules and I have raised Doyle from ICOS on the line. Ray, many thanks for taking my call this evening. Welcome. Uh, Ray, so um, as of yesterday, 
we believed that these new regulations were going to come into play where you'd have to get a prescription from a vet to buy dosing from your merchant. Uh, at the end of January was the plan, but uh, you were negotiating with the Department of Agriculture today and you've managed to get these rules kicked down the track. So can you tell us what occurred, please? Yes, well, the, I suppose the, the implementation of the regulation, it's an EU regulation, it's 2019 it's the actual code of the regulation, and it was due to be implemented in full on the 28th of January next year, uh, which transpired, as you said in your introduction, would mean that uh, farmers would have to have full prescriptions for all antiparasitic parasitic products. So that means antimentics, uh, uh, sheep tips, believe it or not, uh, products such as that, porons, etc., and they would all require a prescription. But to be fair to the department, they listened to our concerns that the industry simply wasn't ready yet from the farmer all the way through to the retail level and even the vets themselves to handle this particular sea change in in regulation compared to what it is now where farmers have full and ready access to those products. And this the system which is going to be in place uh, in six months, seven months' time, now 1st of June, if, if, if it comes into play then. Uh, so, for example, I'm a farmer and I need to dose my cattle. So I'll have to go to my vet, get a prescription, and then that prescription is going to be logged into some sort of a, an e-database or it's going to be linked to your herd number. That's the plan, is it? Yes, the plan, while it's not, we don't have access to fully what it's going to look like yet, hopefully that will happen over the next few months now, but the plan will be, it'll be linked to your herd number. So, for example, your, your vet will write you the prescription for the antimentic products that you need. And the other derogation that we got uh, from the department, which makes it very user-friendly, is that there'll be a 12-month expiry on the prescriptions for antiparasitics. However, antimicrobial products, uh, such as penicillin-based and even intramammary products for dairy cows, they will have to be dispensed uh, after prescribing in five days. Oh, wow. So for anti- a- antibiotics now is going to be very strict because it's written in the regulation of the EU itself. It cannot be changed or interpreted differently by the member state. However, antiparasitics can be interpreted differently by the member state. So we secured again in negotiating with the department a 12-month expiry on antiparasitics such as antimentics. So let's fast forward to maybe what this thing might look like. The vet uh, maybe will sit down with a farmer, work out a, an overall herd health plan and what antiparasitic products might be needed throughout the, the full season. So if the prescription, for example, was um, just an antimentic product, we'll pick one of the three main warmer types. Maybe it's a simple ivermectin product. That product will be prescribed, but there'll be a 12-month expiry on it. And the farmer can draw down this prescription wherever they, they want to whether that's the veterinary uh, practice itself, whether it's the licensed merchant or whether it's the co-op store or whether it's the pharmacist. So a farmer will go in, simply quote their herd number. The prescription is logged on the the e-prescription database that is uh, handled by the department. The dispenser in this case, which will be hopefully the co-op store or, as I said, the pharmacist or the vet itself, will be able to see what is being prescribed, the product that's there, and dispense the product. And then once the product is dispensed, this particular prescription will disappear from the database to prevent uh, potential over-prescribing or double-prescribing a product. So that's the theory, and we're hoping that's what we need to practice to, to allow farmers the widest possible um, avenues to purchase their products. 
it'd be a pretty slick uh, uh, system if it, if it works like that, wouldn't it? I'd say we would take a lot of setting up, uh, I, I'm guessing, uh, just for, for, for everyone, all the users to be able to access that in a central database. Uh, I, I wonder, is it, is it far down the track? Do you, think, do you think it'll happen in six months' time? Well, I suppose this was the reason why uh, I suppose the department agreed with our proposal to defer it for six months because the department uh, have their system at a very advanced stage and is ready to go. But the problem is, is the full integration with the software that the co-ops have, that licensed merchants have, that the pharmacists have, and that the vets have. There's all different software in operation in all those uh, various stakeholders. So we needed that time to road test the integra- integration of the department system with those various stakeholder software systems. And that's the reason for the deferral. So we can get, uh, I suppose, full, fully operational, uh, practical, and no problem and any problems, should I say, ironed out over those few months. Um, thinking then from the farmer perspective, uh, Ray, so they're wondering if they want to buy their dosing from their co-op store, but they have to go to their vet for the prescription. Uh, any word in the negotiations or any talks about the, the possible cost of a, a prescription only from a vet? No, we didn't venture there. That's, I suppose, not our remiss. That's, yeah. that's, that's an issue for the, for the farm organisations and, and, the, and the veterinary organisations. We are hopeful, though, that this, this will become a practical uh, and, and maybe a cost-effective solution that the vast majority of farmers, I feel, will, will perhaps, if they're livestock farmers, will maybe sit down with their vet for an extra period over the, the, the annual herd test, for example, for TB, and maybe work out what potential antiparasitics they require for the full season. Antibiotics, as I said, are a completely different uh, regime. And uh, there's a very a much higher threshold of knowledge required by the vet to write prescription for antimicrobials, and the dispensing period is very short in five days because again, antimicrobial resistance is is a worldwide global issue, could end up affecting us all in the human uh, medicine sense, and and not surprise me, there's a much tighter regime involved in that, and animals that require antibiotics will be now issued with. The, the bare minimum to treat the disease but no more than that and, and that's going to be very tightly controlled by the department uh, going forward with the veterinary profession as well so that's different when an animal has a, a serious uh, illness or process vet will be called out write the antibiotic prescription for it tightly controlled administered and that's it antiparasitics not so much um, antiparasitic resistance is is uh, a problem for global farming and could perhaps become a big problem for Irish farmers. So we need to, again, be careful and prudent how we use it. But it's not a human issue. It does not cause uh, potential human uh, death as opposed to antimicrobial resistance. Therefore, the threshold of knowledge and the, I suppose, the, the restrictions on use and sale is not near as severe. Yeah, Ray, I have to say many thanks for that. Uh, very good rundown there, uh, very clearly explained, and uh, we, we understand where we're going on it. Uh, look, I'll be speaking to you again on the programme, Ray. Many thanks. Okay, you're welcome. Thank you, Linda. Uh, Red Oil there from ICOS. So look, that's where we're at on that. It's been kicked down the road for about six months and uh, the 12-month expiry on the prescription for the dosing uh, is is a positive thing. Look, we're kind of used to tighter controls on uh, antibiotics anyway. Uh, look, you're buying them directly from your vet. They're being prescribed for an animal. A lot of the times, vets out on, on, on site when, when he or she is prescribing them uh, and we, we are kind of used to that uh, the area I suppose I'm hoping that uh, the vet 
threats won't go to town on is the area of the prescription and that is where the farm organisations uh, need to get in and negotiate with Veterinary Ireland that that is a nominal amount a nominal fee as opposed to it being uh, exorbitant because if it is uh, it's just going to be uh, very challenging uh, going forward to purchase from anyone other than a vet and that's not what we want we want competition uh, to have uh, as much um, uh, value as we can in that market Uh, now coming up after the break we're going to be talking about power stations and what potentially could occur uh, with them uh, the likes of anaerobic digestion plants perhaps that's what the ICMSA want Uh, we're going to hear all about that in just a moment and you're very welcome back to the last section of this evening's programme and I have to more man Pat O'Brien on the line Pat many thanks for taking my call this evening Good evening MJ Uh, So Pat the ICMSA are talking about uh, using the existing power plants that we have most notably Shannon Bridge that affects us here uh, for something a little bit different to create power using anaerobic digestion Uh, This is an interesting uh, hypothesis uh, Pat I have to say What's the background of it? Well basically a a farmer came to me with the idea uh, it had been put to him by by a former employee of ESB and said that it, it, it made sense. It would be logic, logical to do it. The, the facilities are all there. They just have to be um, adjusted to, to take gas in, uh, from the biodigester instead of instead of peat. And, and it takes all the boxes. Yes, the anaerobic, anaerobic uh, digestion then, for, and I didn't know much about it either, and kind of uh, come across it, but uh, in a word, and we're not uh, uh, sustainable or renewable engineers, but the the, the, the grand scheme of it, what, what exactly happens? Uh, what, what do you put into this system? It, it takes in silage, beef, maize, and you can go 50-50 with, with, with that and slurry. So it, it'll... It'll it'll run off that and it'll run very efficiently. Having said that, um, it, it's it's happening it's happening in the north as it is, but it won't. It will have to be subsidised. It, it it's not, good, but everything everything green is costing more money. So like it's it's it has it has has its setbacks, but it's it's. Going to be well, well no, as you, as you say, everything green uh, has a, has a big cost. Electric cars have a huge cost environmentally for the batteries okay. alone. Uh, but we, you know, we don't hear much about that. Uh, we talk about we talk about the benefits, not the challenges, a lot of the time with the environment. So being real about it. But if uh, the likes of slurry uh, could be using it, as you said, in the fifty fifty mix, wouldn't it be a fantastic use for for slurry, especially during the winter months when uh, sure. 15, 15 of January opens, a lot of land isn't travelable, yeah. and if we could actually turn it into energy, wouldn't it be incredible? That's it. That's it. And and digest it from from the plant can be used as a fertilizer, and there's no emissions from that. Mm. So it's it's purifying your slurry for the want of a better way of putting it. And uh, the likes of yourself, Pat, uh, with the ICMSA and your dairy farmer, uh, the threat of a power cut. Uh, and have power shortages this winter. Like it's it's very real. Um, I'm sure it's something you're talking about a lot in the ICMSA. Um, are you very concerned yeah. about it as dairy farmers? We are because um, like there's a lot of people after going out and buying generators already. There'll be tractors held up running running those. The emissions from those it's it's really counterproductive. There wasn't a, a lot of thought put in it, put into this before. The actions was taken. I, I heard this evening that there's already ge- generators running in road and in Eaton Derry to to supplement the power supply as it is, and the weather's only taking a turn for the worse this week. Mm. 
Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, it, it is that time where you, you do have to wonder in relation to policy if people are thinking. Uh, the likes of this, though, say the ICMSA uh, make a little uh, um, a plan, uh, if you will, on this uh, and go to the government or the department. Is anyone listening, Pat? Hard, hard to say. Um, I, I've contacted um, Clara Nolan about it, and Clara was, was very uh, impressed with the idea, and uh, she said she'd, she'd, she'd support it all the way. And I've been chatting to Eddie, Eddie Fitzpatrick as well, and Eddie's supportive of it. Now, having said that, the ESB have been in with Offaly County Council and told them a number of reasons why they'll never open up, never open up again. But like when these plants were, were built, they were supposed to be able to run on either gas or peat. So if they could run on that at the time, I don't know why, why they can't run on them now. It, it is a little bit of outside the box thinking, though, that is needed uh, w- without doubt. And something like this, look, even if it wasn't to, you know, actually work, at least it's, it's, a, it's a thought process that's out there. Something may come of it. Uh, but it is um, communication is what's needed between the, well, uh, the government and the likes of the farm organisations like yourself. What we're asking for is a, feasi- a proper feasibility study to be done on it and not just rule it out, no, it won't work. Have a proper feasibility study done, and if it if it proves that it will be possible to 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 set this up and to work it in the interim, it could be powered on, on LPG, because there are going to be tanks needed to to store the gas when the biodigester is is set up if if it's a runner. Yeah. So in the interim, that could be a quick fix to the, to, the, to the power shortages in the country. Uh, and just before I let you go, Pat, and I have to say, the outside-the-box thinking is what's needed. Uh, it's needed by the leaders of the country, without doubt. Uh, and before I let you go, the ICMSA's uh, AGM is coming up. Can you just give us a brief word on that? You have about 30 seconds. It's on Friday the 3rd via Zoom. It starts at 12 noon. At 1 o'clock, we'll have an address by Dr David Stiles from the University of Limerick on the balance in dairies route to climate neutrality. He'll be followed by John Jordan of Ornua. And uh, at 2 p.m., our president Pat McCormack will address the address the, and and then uh, he's followed by the minister Charlie McCarthy. And if people are interested, how do they get they on can, to it? They can email info at icmsa.ie by Wednesday the first of December. Lovely stuff. Okay, Pat, we're going to leave it there. Thanks for joining me, and we speak to you again on the program. Thanks. And uh, I'm apologising now. I'm just cutting Pat down there because I'm just running out of time. And I'm going to say thanks to all my guests this evening, to Pat O'Brien there from the ICMSA, with a little bit of outside-the-box thinking, I have to say. And uh, uh, this is what's needed. Uh, we're in a, a challenging time in all fronts, but we definitely don't want to be running out of power over the next uh, number of months, uh, and that's for sure. Uh, that's not just from a farmer perspective. That's from everything, healthcare, hospitals, uh, you name it. Uh, power is, is vital and necessary, and we need some, some thinking on it. Uh, to thank Ray, Doyle from ICOS uh, speaking to us about the veterinary legislations Declamaran from the Irish Farmers Journal and John Keane from Mokra and Affirma their conference is on Friday morning and you can log on to that on Mokra.ie and also Gordon Cobb from GVM in Tullamore uh, shows repeated Sunday morning at, at that earlier time of 6am I'll be back with you this time next week at 7pm as usual Joe Cooney is up next with Country Roads the man who met Garth Brooks on Monday of this week he's still jumping on air after that uh, good night and God bless to see you next week